Hello, and welcome to the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, a show where two friends review a randomly chosen American Top 40 episode from the 1970s, the most interesting decade in pop music. My name is Mark Robeck, and with me is my friend and co-host, Peter Gardo. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Well, if you're looking on channel uh, channel 18, I got all my fingers, so I wasn't playing with any... Uh... Any uh, fireworks over the weekend? Did you see your thing on the local news of mannequins and fingers? Um, I actually didn't, but I didn't watch a heck of a lot of local news either. That they talked about it though. They had uh, coming up, you know, uh, fireworks safety. Not watching local news is good for your well-being because it's I, just a bunch of nonsense. It, 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 yeah, it's all kind of a bunch of nonsense these yeah. days, really. Yeah. No, no, but but the one thing is, I. I I did uh, move a piece of uh, Adirondack furniture around uh, that I, I cut the grass a couple weeks ago and I put this piece of Adirondack furniture kind of in a, in a place where you couldn't sit anyhow and it was kind of overgrown and stuff and, and I went to pull it out of there to sit, sit out in the sun, I guess it was Sunday. And, and bees had decided to, to build a nest underneath there I, and I got uh, stung about 20 times, on, 10 times in each ankle. Oh, of, of bees and uh <laughs> be careful out there yes yeah. you know i i'm not allergic to that so i'm not i don't have any allergies you know knock on wood but uh yeah that was kind of fun wow so like third episode in a row where either you or your family there's some <laughs> accident and or illness <laughs> you're right you're right yeah how about that well, yeah say i love you yeah how was uh how's how things going with you uh pretty good yeah yeah um had uh had a bunch of stuff going on last week and then when uh you know after saturday things were quieted down so i just had a relaxing uh fourth hung out by the pool my apartment uh complex uh on the fourth a little bit and yeah that's about it but it was good the weather was nice Oh, it was beautiful. It's yeah. so beautiful. Hey, you're going to go to that retirement or that retirement party, whatever it is. Did you get that in your email? <laughs> I did. Yeah. He, I think he's a little young to be retiring, but <laughs> oh, yeah, he's just leaving the company. So. Uh, is he going off to a totally different company or just a, uh, like different, a, yeah, division? A, a different part of what used to be part of the big giant company, which is down, uh, downstate. Ah, okay. I get it. Yeah. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good, good for him. Yeah, yeah. I, I may go as long as I don't have anything else. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like what? Come on, planning the next episode? No, <laughs> uh, no. <nah, nah. laughs> I joke. I joke. Yeah. You know, I joke. Okay. <laughs> I put a lot of time into this now. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, as you can tell, Pete and I have been friends for a long time 30 plus years we met in college and then ended up working together so in each of these episodes we'll review 
all 40 songs in the chosen week's countdown and provide some factual information on each song, as well as our personal opinions, stories, and comments related to it. At the end of the episode, we'll provide our individual choices for best and worst song, a song that we think will torture the other guy that we've labeled the agonizer. And we will give our individual A plus through F grade for the entire countdown. Since nobody has the exact same taste in music, our opinions on individual songs may be controversial, but we otherwise intend to keep the conversation light, humorous, and hopefully entertaining. Remember, this is just a discussion, not a competition, so please no wagering. All right, Mark. Well, this is uh, episode 10 of the 70s Weekly Countdown with uh, Mark and Pete, and it's the 1840 from the week ending July 4th slash July 11th, 1970. And Mark will tell you about that, but the title for this episode is Mama told me not to spill the wine while hitching a ride on the long and winding road, which is a two-way street. <laughs> yeah, that rolls right together. <laughs> so this uh, episode, yeah, it was the very first episode of AT Top 40. Yeah, the July 4th weekend of 1970, but it was actually the uh, billboard countdown from July 11th, 1970. What uh, were you doing around this time in 1970, if you could remember? Oh, I could remember. Yeah. So uh, 1970, my uh, late June, my folks took my two oldest sisters over to Europe. Yeah. And, uh, and so well, what do you do with the two youngest siblings? Well, you shuffle them off to Buffalo. <laughs> and uh, and you, spend, you spend a couple of weeks with, uh, with your aunt and uncle and your and your uh, three cousins that are just about your age. And uh, I, I asked my sister, you know, if she remembered the order of, of what we did then. And uh, we stayed uh, with my aunt and uncle. She remembers running up and down the, the driveway with sparklers on July 4th. So we were there then. And then uh, we uh, spent some time with my, my, my dad's grandparents and went out to their country place out in Holland. And then we went up to, uh, to the big farm uh, up in outside of Lockport, where my mom's folks were living, and uh, when we're out in uh, in Holland, out at the farm, it's interesting. Two farms. So this is the one of my my dad's folks. My grandparents got us stuff. So uh, one of uh, my sister got a, like a ten pack of cinnamon gum and ended up like chewing it all all of it and destroying her mouth, and she couldn't eat chili that night. And I slipped and fell in the creek, and I scraped my arm, and then. Uh, <laughs> And then she tells the story of, then we went up to my mom's grandparents and she got poison ivy. So, uh, but anyhow, I, I, I don't have a date book. My father, I could not find my father's date book from 1970. So we went from, from memories, but I do have, as you see here, watching channel 18, a stack of, of beer decals, or we call them coasters. Okay. That you get at a bar. And so here's one on the trip. And this is at the, uh, Lohenbrough, Munich, and this is from the Munich uh, uh, Rocks, Rocks, Skelter. Oh my God, I can't say it. Rat, Rat Skelter. Okay, <laughs> and there's two of them here. My folks were there. This is from July seventh, uh, nineteen seventy, and then they went to Estan Hergotstan Mut in weeks in tract on whatever, this is the 10th, and I have a whole stack of these from where they go. So this is a tradition uh, that I think my dad's uh, parents started where you go to a bar and you, and you 
you put the date on it and you, and you save it. So I got a whole, a whole, uh, you can I'm gonna show it to you here. So these all came from my folks house. Wow. All right. And uh, so that's a, that's a cool tradition. So I didn't know that that was your parents that uh, kind of handed that down to you. Yeah, I think yeah. it's cool. So maybe, maybe if you go to this, uh, this thing, we can, we're, where are we going? We're going to that place. Yeah, that may, may help. I'll bring my Sharpie. All right. <laughs> okay. So what were you up to? Yeah, uh, you know, no, no date book, no specific memories. I was just thinking in general about 4th of July and being a young kid. And um, they used to have fireworks at, at uh, a park in the city called Pope Park for, mm -hmm. for quite a few years. But somewhere along the line, I think it might have been maybe a little later than 1970, but they stopped having them due to budget cuts. And it, it's funny, fireworks nowadays are so ubiquitous. You know, they have them like all the time after just a, a you know, minor league baseball game or something. But back then it was like a big deal. And it was like, you know, the once a year thing. And when they canceled them, it was, it was a shame. It was a big deal when we were kids. Well, they, they were fiscally responsible back then yeah <laughs> or the price went down because we, we it's easier to get the stuff from asia china yeah <laughs> that was, that was 50 years it's ago. possible yeah yeah maybe you couldn't even import it back then you know it, it, it's interesting I, I one more memory uh my birthday was right around there and i was with my uncle uncle don and we went to you know the equivalent of caldor or grants or whatever that was out in uh, Depew, New York, probably on Transit Road. Who knows? And in um, there, he says you can get anything. You can pick any toy you want out. And and for some reason, because I never had them as kids, but all the neighbors did. You know, I, I looked at like a, a toy six, six shooter or something. And Uncle Don said, he says, you know, I don't think your folks would like that. Yeah. Okay. So I got this this pretend shaving kit. And. Uh, <laughs> It was pretty cool. I, I remember it. And, you know, I didn't start shaving for another 12 years or whatever, but uh, I, I remember <laughs> that. And I did not find that when we cleaned out my folks' house, so unless it's in some obscure box. Wow. I, I almost think that's kind of prophetic given that, you know, any anybody who knows Pete like I do know that uh, the, the guy gets five o'clock shadow five minutes after he shaves. <laughs> <laughs> What was it you said? You can hear his uh, hair grow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's funny. Yeah. yeah that's oh, cool. So besides the Vietnam War, what what else was going on, Mark, in uh, yeah. early July, nineteen seventy? Yeah. Yeah. So so a few things. Um, not quite in uh, July, but uh, back in the middle of June, on June thirteenth, "Let It Be" the Beatles album goes to number one, and it would stay there for four weeks, which would lead us uh, right up where we are with this countdown. On June 27, Festival Express opens in Toronto, Canada. The Grateful Dead, the band, Janis Joplin, Buddy Guy, and, and several other bands, they crossed Canada together by train for five shows in three cities. And then uh, on July 3rd, there was the Atlanta International Pop Festival, and 200,000 people attended over three days. A uh, bunch of bands were there, Almond Brothers, Grand Funk Railroad, Jimi Hendrix Experience, Richie Havens, B.B. King, Mott the Hoople, and John Sebastian. Mm. So that's that's interesting. So the, the Jimi Hendrix experience was still going. Wasn't it the Band of Gypsies by then? 
Um, I'm wondering. I'm wondering. It, it's possible, you know. I, I kind of just uh, grab this stuff and uh, yeah. don't, don't, don't. I wonder when the band of gypsies started because yeah, you know, we, Mr. Hendricks was was with us for what another year or so. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, they did say that that festival was a big disaster. They didn't. Um, they, they couldn't handle the crowds uh, as uh, similar to Woodstock or whatever. They hadn't learned so anything. Would it be in, in Fulton County Stadium or something? I, wonder. Uh, I forget where, where it was. Yeah, I have to look yeah. that up. Anyway. Yeah, it's outside. And then on um, July 4th, uh, Bob Hope and other entertainers gathered in Washington, D.C. for Honor America Day at a nonpartisan holiday event. Uh, the day was intended to be nonpartisan, but was interrupted by many as a, you know, a lot of people saw it as a pro-war rally. And um, so there were anti-war demonstrators. Uh, yeah. Well, what's interesting is, you know, 10 years later, uh, the, uh, what is still on, and I, I watched bits of it over the weekend, was uh, an American fourth and uh, so 10 years later, the Beach Boys were invited and they were disinvited by James Watt. And then Nancy Reagan says, oh, I like the Beach Boys. And I don't know, <laughs> but uh, I, remember, I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah, know? yeah, I do. I, I, when you first mentioned it, I was like, uh, that sounds familiar. Now that I you think of it, yeah. Uh, particularly the part about Nancy Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> after. Yeah. But they still, they still had the TV show is still on PBS, and uh, there were bits and pieces of the last couple of years. I, I, I went to sleep early last night, so I didn't see anything. But uh, you know, the last or this year's, but they had Vanessa Williams and they and John Stamos, and you know, <laughs> I was thinking, I said, geez, that Vanessa Williams, she's, she's kind of like an entertainer. She's like the, you know, she's the 21st century Sonny Bono or or whatever. She could sing, she could dance, she can entertain. Yeah, so she can act. She can uh, act. Yeah, Kale yeah. and I used to watch that show, uh, Ugly Betty, that was on a few years ago. She was on that. Oh, yeah, never yeah. saw it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all right. And uh, so lastly, for news, uh, I have on July 17th, the guests who perform at the White House for President Nixon and his guests, the Prince of Wales. Oh. Is that the guy that's still <laughs> Prince of Wales 50 years yeah. later? Yeah, okay. Sure. So technology in 1970. Um, on June 17th, Edwin Land patents the first Polaroid camera, also yeah. known as the Polaroid Land camera, That's right. if you will. So um, we never had one. Did you have one? Um, not as a family. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I don't know, maybe 11, 12 years old, got into astronomy a bit and you could you could do some like star photography with Polaroid cameras. So I remember doing a little of that. I, I think a friend of mine owned one though. It, it wasn't mine. We never, we never had one. Yeah. So. That's something that you'll never see again, but it was kind of, it was really cool back then. I mean, you, you got the picture instantly, you know? So. Anyhow, what's, what, how, what was the economy like back then? Yeah. So, um, it uh, unemployment wasn't too bad, 3.5%, and inflation was uh, 6.5%, a lot lower than the later years we uh, we talked about in the 70s. Uh, gallon of gas was 36 cents, that'd be uh, $2.71 today, which is a good price. Uh, gallon of milk was $1.15, that'd be uh, $8.66 today. Average home, 
26,600, that's about 280,300 today. And minimum wage was $1.45, that's $10.92 today. So what was TV like, um, particularly on July 4th, 1970, which was a Saturday? Well, if, if I look at the chart here, there's, there's no PBS. Okay. there's no fox there's no cnn there's no weather channel it's right. uh, it's abc cbs and nbc and uh it's interesting so the the networks had control of the 730 hour and they wouldn't later because that's when a schools match wits would be on and gronsky and company and you know hee-haw and stuff <laughs> like that um so let's make a deal was on abc followed by the newlywood game so game time uh yeah. shows uh the lawrence welk show which was part of the rural purge and the most deadly game. And I, I don't remember that. And then local programming and then CBS mission impossible uh, at seven 30 at eight 30, my three sons was on with um, Freddie Mercury and, uh, uh, and uncle Charlie. And then uh, Arnie, do you remember Arnie? I do. I never um, saw it. Herschel Bernardi. And, and what was funny is I used to crack up considering where we worked because Arnie's boss, his name was Hamilton Majors Jr. <laughs> and then the first season of uh, Mary Tyler Moore and then Mannix. And I've seen Mannix a little bit in reruns. Yeah. It was great how the, the, the Mannix character, what, Chuck Connors, is that his name? Mike Connors. Mike Connors. Chuck Connors is the rifleman guy. Okay, so Mike Connors, he showed up about... 20 years later on a uh, murder she wrote as uh, um, as that character, you know, basically coming back and, and finishing something up. Yeah. And uh, and it, I don't think it was a, a circus or a horse track. Uh. <laughs> so but but if you weren't around then, you didn't see it, you didn't understand why it was kind of cool that that happened. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like when they do that throwback stuff. Yeah. Uh, they did a little of it, um, at least in the scripting in Magnum PI too. I remember they, it was something like they were trying to find the owner of some car and they said, oh, it's, it belongs to this retired uh, police detective uh, named McGarrett. <laughs> yeah, but, but Jack Lord never, never uh, appeared. Never appeared. Yeah. yeah. So over on NBC was the Andy Williams show. Um, uh, from 7.30 to 8.30. Tom, who's he related to? Oh, um, yeah, that great American butt-off Williams. <laughs> 8.30, Adam 12, and then uh, NBC uh, Saturday Night Movie at the movies. Who knows what movie was on then? But uh, what, what was in the theater then? Yeah, I just wanted to mention too, though, that um, we'll, we'll get into it later, that this chart doesn't necessarily reflect what might have been like summer replacement shows at the mm -hmm. time. So, well, there's this... There's an artist that's related to that a little bit later in the countdown. Oh, on NBC. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, movie releases uh, on June 23rd, Kelly's Heroes, starring Clint Eastwood, Telly Savalas, Don Rickles, Carol O'Connor, Gavin McLeod, Donald Sutherland, Stuart Margolin, George Savalas, and Len Lesser. So, wow. yeah, a lot of wow. 70s wow. TV stars in this thing. And so, uh, do you know who Len Lesser is? Uh, is he related to Matt Lesser, the, the state senator? <laughs> no. Uncle Leo from oh, 
okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. I, I when when you sent this uh, yesterday, I printed it out, and <clears throat> the TV was on, and there was a repeat of my favorite Martian, <laughs> and uh, Gavin McLeod was on it, and oh, wow. uh, and I said to, I said to my wife, I says, boy, he's got a real good looking uh, wig on right there. <laughs> You ever see the the Gavin McLeod on My Favorite Martian? I don't think I have. I don't yeah. know that I've ever seen him with uh, with hair. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. it was it was like kind of shocking, you know. Yeah. So, but one thing I wanted to mention about uh, this: so so Len Lesser and and George Savalas, who was Telly Savalas's uh, brother, um, mm -hmm. those are two guys that appeared on both Kojak and Kolshak the Night Stalker. <laughs> a little bit later in june actually the next day catch 22 was released world war ii film based on a novel um and that's it had a huge cast but it was notable for uh, art garfunkel being it and he's credited as arthur garfunkel july 1st the boat nicks which was a disney release uh starring phil silvers stephanie powers and vito scotty you gotta and, love Vito Scott. And he's, I remember he's the, the Boatniks. I remember there in the library in our grammar school, there was a picture book for that movie. And it was notorious because some kids had drawn all this sort of off-color stuff in there. And it was like kind of a known thing between the kids. So I go take out the Boatniks and check out what they drew in there. <laughs> I never saw that, but... Yeah. Uh, Vito Scotti was great, whether he was on Hogan's Heroes or Columbo or Gilligan's Island. Yeah, yeah, great character actor. Great character actor. Kind of like Len Lesser, in, in a way. He was, he was in a ton of stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. And then on uh, July 10th, uh, They Call Me Mr. Tibbs, starring Sidney Poitier, was released. And Sidney Poitier just passed away this year on January uh, 6th at the age of 94. That's a nice long so, way. Yep. So anyhow, our data sources uh, for this, the actual countdown comes from Billboard Ma Magazine. The website says allmusic.com, songfacts.com, and Wikipedia. This is Mark's Lazy. And the books are Ranking the 70s by Dan Isabel and Bill Carroll. And American Top 40 with Casey Case in the settings by Pete Battistini. We're counting down the most popular songs in the country from Kodiak to Kokomo, from Hartford to Honolulu. Now on with the countdown. Well, this is the unmistakable voice of uh, Marvin Gaye, The End of Our Road. I didn't remember this song. Marvin Gaye put a lot of stuff out. Did not remember this. Yeah, yeah, this came off his album MPG from 1969. Um, this was written by uh, Roger Penzabane, Norman Whitfield, and Barrett Strong in 1967, and originally recorded by Gladys Knight and the Pips. And... Um, it was issued as a single in 1968. Uh, the Pips version peaked at number 15 on the charts and number five on the R&B singles chart. Um, Whitfield produced a different version of this song with Marvin Gaye. And then this one um, peaked at number 40. 
So yeah, decent song, funky, but yeah, snuck, I don't remember. Snuck in and ran away. Number yeah, 40. Yeah. yeah. We've heard a lot of him already, and we'll hear a heck of a lot more. So yeah. Get aboard the Silver Bird, departing gate 19. Satisfy your Walter Mitty mind. Well, this is another one I don't know. Your sign is Capricorn in every corner of your mind. Maybe I did. Yeah, I didn't remember this. Oh, yeah, now, now you're going to hear it. Yeah. There you go. There's the hook. Yeah. So this is uh, Silver Bird by Mark Lindsay. Um, <laughs> Casey was saying how. Uh, Mark Lindsay, uh, he's doing pretty well for himself by this time. Uh, he had the uh, old hubcaps. Yeah, $10,000 gold hubcaps on his $72,000 Rolls Royce, which is a ton of money for back then. Uh, but this song was uh, composed by Kenny Young, who was the co-author of Under the Boardwalk, that hit for the Drifters. Oh, that's uh, a great song. Yeah. And uh, Lindsay was uh, best known as the front man for Paul Revere and the Raiders. Oh, that's right. They had a bunch of hits in the 60s into the early 70s. At this time, he, Lindsay was actually kind of doing both, like a solo and still doing stuff with the Raiders. Um, oh, so he's a 1970s version of uh, of Phil Collins. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay had a previous top 10 hit uh, with Arizona. All right. Well, we've heard from at least half this band. Yeah. got a harmonica <laughs> so there's quite a bit to say about this song I was once out. so it's gonna take him a while so this is spill the wine by eric burden and war now the first thing i want to say is the group war before it was known as war was a band called night shift and they were playing backup for Deacon Jones, the U.S. football player who was trying to become a soul singer. Now, he came up in the previous countdown about uh, Deacon Blues, the Steely Dan song, and, and also the, um, the sponsor we had that week. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, this song, um, I guess... Part of the inspiration was when they were going to record it, they had a bottle of wine and someone actually spilled it on the console. And they said that they think Eric Burden was already working on the idea about gnomes and waking up in a grassy field. And then when the wine got spilled, they kind of thought, oh, don't spill that wine. That's that's something. A little bit later on, there's a lady speaking Spanish in the background, and that was Eric Burden's girlfriend. And uh, yeah, um, the the chorus is often misheard, but the proper lyrics are "Spill the wine, take that girl. Spill the wine, take that pearl." And that pearl is some kind of uh, sexual reference, I guess. Um, have you ever heard of the German show Rock Palast? I think I have. Yeah. Yeah, because um, at an open air festival in uh, uh, Lorley, Germany, on August 28, um, 
Eric Burden and his band, they had a big jam session that began with Bob Dylan's Knockin' on Heaven's Door and ended with an amazing version of I Am the Blues by blues legend Willie Dixon. And you know who was in that jam session? Rory McIlroy. <laughs> That's right, Rory Gallagher. <laughs> anyway. Anyhow. That's an interesting song. It's kind of odd, but... Uh, yeah. Number 37. I didn't remember this. I didn't either. Then again, I'm, you know, I was five years old. Yeah. A newly minted five years old. Yeah, I don't even know if they get to a hook, really, but uh, this is Go Back by Krabby Appleton. I didn't have much on this, but Krabby Appleton was the name of a villain in a cartoon which aired during the Captain Kangaroo show in the 50s and 60s. And uh, this band took that as their name. Uh, This song reached number 36, and it was their only hit single. And the band broke up in 1973, so not much to say. Oh, no. That's too bad. I wonder what they're doing. So, all right. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) So here we go. Uh, I believe that this uh, artist that Casey was talking about had the number one hit in 1969 or was way up on the charts when she smiles up soft and gentle with a trace of misty morning and the promise of he just left us too recently yeah and i just can't help believing when she's lying close this is bj thomas and this is i just can't help but believing his big song the previous year was uh raindrops keep falling in my head from the movie uh, uh ode to billy joe or what the hell was it <laughs> which cassidy and the sundance, sundance kids, kids. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never saw that either uh, that's that's a good movie yeah um so yeah so this one was written by uh the husband and wife team of barry mann and cynthia wheel who also wrote uh, I Don't Know Much for Linda Ronstadt and He's So Shy for the Pointer Sisters. So um, BJ Thomas is from Texas. Did you know that? I did not. Have you ever been to Shiner, Texas? No, I've had the Shiner Bach beer in Texas. I don't know if it's from that. It's got the name from there, but. Okay, because my... uh... My former neighbor writes, Lukenbach is old hat. And to get the Shiner, which has a population of 2070, you have to really go out of your way. Okay. So, but um, my uh, my daughter, like lots of little girls, always does uh, dance. And so my daughter was about three years old and dance, and they did their first um, song where they just kind of tapped their feet and stuff, and it was raindrops keep falling in your head and you know so i'd go to the dance class and i'd watch what they did and i memorized all the moves and stuff but i needed a copy of raindrops keep falling in your head so i went down to integrity of music here that used to be on uh, on uh, they just closed a couple of years ago on the highway here and um and i found a 45 of raindrops keep falling in my head and i ripped it all right because 
even in 2007 or ever, I had no idea what iTunes was. I guess I could have bought it for 99 cents, but <laughs> I have a copy of, of Raindrops Keep Falling in My Head. <laughs> yeah, taken from vinyl. Taken from, from the 45. Yeah. So, anyhow, uh, so that was number 36. Getting the spirit in the dark. I'm getting the spirit in the dark. Keep on moving. Well, unmistakable voice of Aretha Franklin. The song is called Spirit in the Dark. And do you ever remember this? I don't. Um, <laughs> it's off the album of the same title in 1970. Peaked at number 23 and uh, number three on the R&B chart. Um, the, it, it's credited to Aretha Franklin with the Dixie Flyers. And the Dixie Flyers, led by guitarist Jim Dickinson and former Jerry Lee Lewis guitarist Charlie Freeman, were one of the busiest session groups of the early 70s. Um, and the music in this is good, the, the background. And I mean, she's great, but I, it's just not that uh, memorable a song. Um, no, I do remember, you know, at the intro, you know, Casey talking about, you know, her father was a pastor and, you know, folks that are in the in churches whose folks are pastors, they all have to learn how to sing because I got to fill up the choir and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, produced a lot of good artists. Absolutely, and she was uh, she was on one of these clips for a Capital Fourth, doing um, doing uh, Freeway of Love. Or no, someone else was doing Freeway of Love. All right, and then they had a clip. I don't know. It's go back and watch all the old Capital Fourth. Okay, you know, it's great American, you know, entertainers. So, anyhow, we're we're on to uh, speaking of. Uh, <laughs> I laughed when I saw this name. Not John Philip Souza, John <laughs> Phillips. Yes. Ride down the Louisville, holding on to a hundred dollar bill. Dressed herself like a Cajun queen in New Orleans, baby. Yeah, she looked good like a lady. Do it, Jimmy James. So. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, Mississippi by John Phillips, the same John Phillips from the Mamas and the Papas. Uh, this was his lone single. Um, of course, he was yeah the architect of the Mamas and the Papas sound. Um, I don't remember this. It's not a bad song. Um, pretty well put together but uh he's of course the father of Mackenzie Phillips who was on One Day at a Time husband of Michelle Phillips who was in the Mamas and the Papas and father of China Phillips of Wilson Phillips fame and, uh, that would come a little later on you remember no. this one Pete no I don't but I love this 
<laughs> yeah, like doing his own fade out or something. Well, that was the fade in, and then yeah. I couldn't figure it out how to get the fade out where it goes to IPPI. So I don't know if you if you heard that. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting because I was looking over here and I can show it up. Where the heck did it go? At some point in time, we bought. We're not doing it. Uh, the Mamas and Papas Greatest Hits. It was right here in my collection of CDs. And uh, it's got all the good stuff on it. But anyhow, um, so we are now moving on to number 33. You know, this is rarefied earth. You know, this is like, the first or first time in the top 10 where I, I don't know most of the songs like this one. remember it all right but one thing's right. interesting there's a lyric in this song um and it says it talks about deacon jones bathtub gin so Ooh. deacon jones in a different context shows up again in this countdown yeah. he's like rory gallagher <laughs> yeah all right we're up to number 32. i think this is a cover right this couldn't have been the original, right? Um, yeah, so this is, it's all in the game, in the game by the four tops, but Casey said this song has been covered four times spanning two generations uh, during 1951, 58, 63, and now in 1970, and each time it was a hit. So this is the only number one hit song ever written by a US vice president was composed in 1911 by then banker Charles Gates Dawes, who became VP under Calvin Coolidge in 1925. Lyrics were added in 1951 by the Brill Building songwriter Carl Sigmund, who changed the song's name uh, to it's, it's All in the Game. And unfortunately, the vice president never got to hear the lyric because on the day Carl handed in the finished assignment, Dawes died of a heart attack and it prompted his friend to say, your lyric must have killed him. <laughs> so, uh, oh, wow. So the song was originally done in waltz time and it made number 18 in 51. And then in 58, uh, Edwards re-recorded it. This was one of the first stereo singles ever released, but he used a little bit of a doo-wop arrangement. And it was uh, also a number 25 hit for Cliff Richard in 1963. So a lot to talk about now. <laughs> All right. Well, if you thought that two dimensions were a lot, or three dimensions or more, four dimensions, look out. But wow, five dimensions. Come on, people. Come on. 
talked about uh, Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis Jr., right? Yeah. And they yeah. were they, they were in this band originally. Yeah. So this is uh, The Fifth Dimension, and this is uh, Save the Country. Um, Laura Nero? Or Laura Nero. Nero. Yep. Yeah. She wrote this song as a reaction to Robert Kennedy's assassination in on uh, June 5th, 1968. She composed the song within 48 hours of hearing the news and it was released by the end of the month. And her version was played on some local stations in Detroit and Los Angeles. But um, it was played a lot during the 68 Democratic Convention when all kinds of uh, turbulent stuff was yeah, happening in Chicago. <laughs> but um, she, uh, she wrote a lot of hit songs. Um, she also wrote the uh, Fifth Dimension hits Stone Cold Picnic and Wedding Bell Blues. She wrote in When I Die for Blood, Sweat and Tears and Eli's Coming for Three Dog Night and yeah. Stony End for Barbara Streisand. One of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. And I think Laura Nero was inducted to the Rock and Hall of Fame a number of years ago. And you're like, who the hell's that? And then you look back and like, oh, okay. Yeah. She died young. I, I don't know what she died of, but she did, did die young. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, it was interesting because uh, I was looking on the your TV list because the Fifth Dimension were uh, once upon a time uh, on the uh, guest stars on the TV show that Robert Wagner had in the 1960s, It Takes a Thief. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and Stephanie Powers, who was, you know, was on that other show you talked about. Uh, the, oh, it was the movie. With yeah, the, the Boatniks. Yeah. yeah. I never saw the Boatniks, but <laughs> but uh, who, who, was, who was one of the stars on the Boatniks? Oh, Vito Scotti. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And Phil Silvers, who I've come to appreciate in later life. <laughs> Especially the one, the Gilligan's Island, right? Ah, oh, that's great. It's, it's, uh, what's his character's name? He's the Harold Hecuba. Harold Hecuba, where they do where they do Hamlet, right? Yeah, so, yeah. All right, smile, smile. <laughs> okay, let's go on to speaking uh, about uh, saving the country. Ooh. Ohio, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, written right after the Kent State thing, pushed right out. Yeah, Every, everyone knows the stories about this a terrible thing that happened, and, and etc. Do you have anything else? Um, no, other than um, I guess uh, Neil Young read the story in Life magazine, saw the photos, and then the song came to him. Uh, David Crosby said he was silent for a long time, then he picked up his guitar, and 20 minutes later had this song. Yeah, so Ohio was released on June 4th, just a month after the shooting. Yeah, talk about being able to put it together. You know, as much as I deride Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and I really like Stephen Stills, and I'm not a big fan of Neil Young, but this song is, uh, is of the time, and uh, you know, you don't want this kind of stuff to happen. Yeah. That's why that's why you don't go to Vietnam <laughs> and other and other places around the country. But it, it has changed, you know, the 
We have changed a little bit. So anyway, we'll go on to number 29. our friend mr guitar zan yeah so this is a uh, ray stevens everything is beautiful um casey was like listing all of ray stevens uh accomplishments and talents and uh before uh, the song came on and he said uh and now he's a tv star um his tv show the ray stevens show was a summer replacement for the andy williams show which uh, so that chart we talked about in the beginning of the episode on what was on um, the Ray Stevens show actually uh, would have been airing um, and it ran for seven episodes uh, and this was the theme song for the show. Uh, Did he have any guest stars on it like you know Vito Scotti or <laughs> Stephanie Powers? I, I did read a little bit I don't remember I, I, I didn't uh, Right, that um, but I, Don Knotts, I think, was a recurring guy. Excellent, um, yeah, excellent. Um, this song won a Grammy in 1971 for uh, best contemporary male vocalist. Yeah, Ray Stevens said he went down in his basement for three days, that crumpled paper all over the place, and suddenly the idea for the song came to him. He wrote it in 45 minutes, and um, he's Backed on the track by his two daughters and a second grade class from Oak Hill Elementary School in Nashville, Tennessee. I wonder if we're the age of his daughters. Well, I wasn't in the second grade yet, so wow, we've we've seen this band uh, a bunch of times in the seventies, at least the early seventies. Yeah, there's another one I really don't didn't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if we'll get to the hook, but uh, this is Check Out Your Mind by The Impressions off the uh, same titled album in 1970. So this one was written by Curtis Mayfield um we yeah as you said we've talked about the impressions before didn't have a lot on this song but uh it, it's categorized as psychedelic soul and, and i would agree with that yeah. Yeah. Well, it's getting a new life on the 70 weekly countdown with mark and pete yeah <laughs> number 27 I, I think i told you that i saw these folks yeah why do we never get an answer when we're knocking at the door well, this is the unmistakable sound of the Moody Blues. You'll still hear this on classic rock, or if you go on the rock and roll cruise, you know, maybe Justin Hayward or 
So this is uh, on it. <laughs> this is question. Um, this one peaked at number 21 when Justin Hayward wrote this song, which reflected the thoughts of uh, many young people at the time questioning the war in Vietnam. He was quoted as saying, uh, we achieved great success in the US and we were playing a lot of student venues and colleges and the student audience was our audience. And after a decade of peace and love, it still seemed like we hadn't made a difference in 1970. This became the group's uh, biggest hit with their classic lineup. They had a, a hit in 1966, uh, their first one, Go Now. And that was- Oh, the guy from Wings. Right. That was before John Lodge and uh, Justin Hayward joined yeah, the group. Yeah. 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 And in uh, August of 1970, just uh, a month later, uh, the Moody Blues performed at the Isle of Wight Festival. And uh, we, we know who else performed there. <laughs> We're 26. You know, one of my favorite cover songs of all time is of this, done by Mr. I'm in You, Peter Frampton. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I read that uh, he did a cover of this, um, and, and some other artists did too. Yeah. So this is yeah, signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours by Stevie Wonder. This uh, it's. He's uh, returning to his girl, putting himself at her mercy, similar to the uh, sentiment of uh, the Temptations, Ain't Too Proud to Beg. So the, there's a fourth name on the credits for this song, Lula Mae Hardaway, Stevie Wonder's mother. Uh, he credits her with uh, some inspiration, I guess. And So uh, he was Stephen Hardaway? Yeah. <laughs> I thought his name was Wonder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great song, great artist. Where, did you find figure out where he stacked up in the number, you know, 1970s list of number one folks? Because he's uh, got to be near the, in the top ten. Uh, yeah, he is. If I get a moment, I'll, I'll look it up here. Yeah. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, so that song was covered by, uh, as you said, Peter Frampton, Elton John, Shaka Khan. Michael McDonald and Jermaine Jackson. Oh, you, as you look that up, number 25. So this is this is a guy doing a cover of a bubblegum number one song from a year or two before by the Archies. And uh, Sugar Sugar. Wilson Pickett. Yeah, so this one was the Archie's version. This this one just yeah. Yeah. This was written by uh Andy Kim and Jeff Barry. And uh, of course Andy Kim had a hit in nineteen seventy-four with Rock Me Gently. Yep. And yep. uh He's from Canada, isn't he? Um yeah, yeah, I believe yeah. so. I don't know. I don't have a lot of yeah, so Wilson Pickett had a bunch of soul hits in the 60s, including uh, Midnight Hour, Mustang Sally, and uh, his biggest pop hit, Land of a Thousand Dances. We're going to go back to the West Coast, go to Woodstock or Canada. Here we go. Must have a code that you can live by. And so go back to England, you know. Because the past 
Still is Nash and Young. Uh, two songs in this top 40. 24 Teach Your Children Well. I think this is a Graham Nash song. Is that true? Uh, um, yeah, yeah. He wrote this one uh, lyrics dealing with the uh, relationship with his father, who spent time in prison, I guess. Jerry Garcia performed the pedal steel guitar part of this track. Sounds and- like, yeah. He played on this album uh, in exchange for harmony lessons for the Grateful Dead, who were at the time recording their acoustic albums, uh, Working, Working Man's, Man's Dead. Dead. American Beauty. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, you know, good, yeah. good song. You hear this still? Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, I did look it up here. So Stevie Wonder was the number six best-selling artist in the 1970s. Yeah. Yeah, I would have thought he was even higher. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe if he had done Afternoon Delight, he would have you know been number one. <laughs> All right. So so in our list of, of family bands last week, I did not remember this uh, this organization. Which way you going, Billy? I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. This is Which Way You're Going, Billy, by the Poppy family featuring Susan. Yeah. So uh, this was yeah, Susan and Terry Jacks, husband and wife. And Terry Jacks, four years later, would uh, have the hit Seasons in the Sun. And this is about uh, guys going to Vietnam. And what is it about guys named Billy going to war? <laughs> it's like... Don't be a hero. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. We had joy. We okay. Yeah. I boy, I should have put that on my list of things. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Up to two two. I found love on a now this is a soul hit by the moments. Love on a two-way street. I, I did not remember this mark at all. Yeah, I, I did remember this actually, but um, I didn't find much on it. It it spent 13 weeks in the top 40, uh, 14 in the top 100, and it became a top five, peaking at number three after 15 weeks. So pretty big song back then. Um, I don't have any any moments for it. <laughs> All right, now now we're on to something that you'll still hear on classic rock. Hit it. This is Leslie West. This is Felix Paparotti. I forget who the drummer is. This is Mountain. Yeah. Woodstock. Leslie West, his real name is Leslie Weinstein or something. Yeah, so this is a Mississippi Queen, second Mississippi titled song in the countdown here. Um, From what I read, uh, the the guitarist, uh, Leslie West said, they got real high, took out a napkin and came up with the riff and the chords and then they fit the words over the sound. He said he was madly in love with the band, the band 
and he decided to put a Cripple Creek feel behind it. Um, I don't hear it. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I hear a lot of cowbell. Yeah, but uh, what's interesting is uh, Mountain, I mentioned earlier the tour um, that was going across Canada, the Festival Express. Yeah. Um, Mountain played uh, at the end of that at the uh, stadium in Calgary, Ontario. Um, so Calgary, yeah. Ontario. I'm sorry. On Ontarian <laughs> McMahon Stadium in Calgary, Calgary. Ontario, Canada. Boy, <laughs> you know what? I saw the O N T Canada and just. <laughs> I told you I was a little out of sorts today. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that is funny. Yeah, so we may um we may have a sponsor, but um, before we get to that, I just want to mention, you know who lived on Mountain Street? Rory Gallagher. No, Mark Roback. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's let's, so get, I, let's I never hear lived from in... our sponsor, man. awesome <laughs> when's the last time you had some of that <laughs> yeah quite a while yeah yeah but it reminds me of the uh old milwaukee and the swedish bikini team yeah yeah in fact when uh, when that was mentioned before I, I i read a little bit about that on the wikipedia <laughs> that's awesome Funny. yeah all right we're up to uh number 20 Okay. Well, this song is side one, track one of the best of Fred. Slice one of the best of Fred. <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, Make It With You. Um, this one went to number one. Really? Um, it was written by lead singer David Gates. There's something funny about this. In a widely circulated interview, David Gates' mother was asked about, you know, how she felt about her son's success. And she, she said, oh, she was pleased as punch. She thought it was great. But then she told him, I just can't understand why he had to call his new hit record Naked With You. <laughs> oh, but, that's um, great. I, I was reading some other artists that did this song. Uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire did a version. Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin, yeah. yeah and yeah. Teddy Pendergrass. I've, I don't think I've ever heard any of those. Oh, they didn't make the top 40, that's why. Yeah. All right, number 19. Are you ready? I'm ready. So I don't think these people got sued like the Chicago Transit Authority. Um, 
They were asked. about these guys. Yeah. Unless they, did they, and were these the guys that burned down all the forests during all the fires? Yeah, yeah. So this, uh, this is Are You Ready by Pacific Gas and Electric, the band, not the company. Um, but uh, yeah, this one got to number 14, written by drummer Charlie Allen and uh, also John Hill. Um, it's their only charting hit. The band was very short-lived. Um, it's sort of a dark little piece of gospel funk, if you want to call it. Uh, kind of talking about apocalyptic uh, themes. Uh, you know, in the opening, there's rumors of war. But yeah, um, the Pacific Gas and Electric Utility Company asked the band to change their name, and it was shortened to PG&E. And yeah, that company was responsible for both uh, the groundwater contamination that was portrayed in the movie Aaron Brockovich and also for the uh, California wildfires. Uh, they went into bankruptcy. I think they're now out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, you know, not a well-liked company. Yeah, but the whole thing is, is that the state of California has the ability, just like the state that we live in, to basically nationalize the utility companies. All right, mm -hmm. but they won't do it, okay? And the reason they won't do it because then they they won't have anyone to pick on. Yeah. And and it, it, they're, they're utilities, these utilities just become these big pawns of 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 big government blowhards. You know, ah, you guys, ah! Well, you know what, nationalize them, then you take it over. Oh no, I don't want any responsibility for that. <laughs> yeah. You know, a bunch of nonsense. You know, I'm sorry for the wildfires and stuff, but come on, get real. There, there's my rant this week because uh yeah wasn't as good as the circus one but pretty good <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right i think this is kind of funky if i remember number 18. All of my love land. it's not funky maybe it's more of a shuffle Yeah, so this is uh, Love Land by Charles Wright and the Watts 103rd Street Rhythm Band. And uh, Casey went into a little thing about how it's this long name for the band that uh, Charles Wright didn't actually like that much. But um, this one uh, was recorded in 1969 at uh, Western Recorders in Hollywood. Um, and Bright is quoted as, our most profound purpose is to create interesting music that comes from the heart. We call it honest music, music that's actually lived by us. What this is, one got- Ripping off Gordon Lightfoot, come on. Yeah, exactly, that's what I thought of. Um, this one hit number 16, uh, their biggest single, Express Yourself, hit number 12. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good song. That That's more memorable than this. Yeah. But I mean, this is a good song. It has a nice groove. So, all right, we're up to number uh, 17. And uh, when I saw this in the chart, I, I didn't remember it. And then I think I kind of remembered it. Which is true. I did remember it. Yeah.
Is anyone in this band still alive? Alive and kicking? Oh no, this is uh, tighter and tighter. They said it twice now. And, uh, yeah, by Alive and Kicking. Um, so this one was written and produced by Tommy James after Tommy James and the Shandells dissolved. He initially wanted to record it himself, but it wasn't sounding right. So remember hearing this group Alive and Kicking and he sort of recomposed it for them to sing. So it was uh, the only hit for Alive and Kicking. Which that's because they didn't have the guy from Thank God It's Friday saying, right, you're tighter and tighter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might hear that guy later in the song. <laughs> you know what I'm no, talking about. That's a good about. song. And I, I, I didn't realize that little story, but uh, yeah. You know. All right. Yeah, I, I remember this one. Yeah. Let's still play it on the oldies channel. All right. So that was Tighter and Tighter. And, uh, all right, on to number 16. I remember this song when I heard it. I didn't remember the band. I know the, the, the town, because I drive through the town before I go over the Tappan Zee Bridge when I'm going to visit my sister in New Jersey. Yeah, I remember this one. You know, it's not called the Tappan Zee Bridge anymore. Um, no, what's it called? The Mario M. Cuomo Bridge, because his little boy who was born on third base and thought he hit a home run <laughs> governor when they rebuilt the damn thing. And uh, it's still the Tappan Zee Bridge to me. Yeah, yeah. That'd be like renaming the Buttolph Williams house. <laughs> so this is uh, My Baby Loves Loving by White Plains. And, uh, yeah, this was um, their, their pretty much only uh, single that uh, hit the charts. Uh, They're really from White Plains? Did you do any I research? Didn't, I couldn't find much on them. They, they disbanded uh, um, in uh, 76 after they recorded One Last Single, Summer Nights. Uh, so there wasn't much out there, really. Yeah. Nice song. Now we're up to number 15. And um, this song, this song is a hook. In a way, it sounds like the beginning of Dr. Javago. Ever watched that movie? About eight hours. I have not. I've, I've seen it. It was on public TV about 25 years ago. Wow. So, so we flipped here. You've seen a movie I haven't. Well, this is by, <clears throat> what was it? <laughs> I was thinking of, of MASH when Radar goes up and says, ah, Bach. Bach. <laughs> yeah, I remember that episode. <laughs> but this is not Bach. This, no. is, this, is a, this is a song by Mr. Beethoven, and not the big jog, dog, jog, bog. not the big dog. Yeah, so, so go ahead. Yeah, so this is a, a song of joy by Miguel Rios, um, and uh, there was a Spanish version called Himno a la Alegría, 
Um, but this hit number 14 on the American charts. It's an adaptation of Beethoven's uh, Ninth Symphony. Sold over 3 million copies and introduced the concept of symphonic rock to Spain. Um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes because there's too much to cover, but this guy, Miguel Rios, is uh, a really interesting guy. He's he's a renowned Spanish singer, songwriter, and actor. And um, he's credited with uh, the establishment of rock and roll as a serious art form in Spain. And or maybe uh, maybe this is the only guy that Franco liked, liked at the time. Well, at the... Uh, King of Spain said, it has been written that without rock and roll, it's impossible to understand Spain's contemporary history. And without Rios, it's impossible to understand rock. Yeah. So proclaimed King Juan I in 1993. Yeah, but you know, this came out in 1970 and Franco was still running the show. So, yeah. yeah. So anyhow, so I went to, as I'm showing here in on channel 18, all right, you can see it, Mark. This is the mm -hmm. Pilgrim Hymnal. And you go, this is the Hymn to Joy. This is number eight. All right. And uh, in, in the thing, it's joyful, joyful, we adore thee. So a little different, same tune, same type of stuff. Um, and uh, sing this a lot in church. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, talk about a classic tune. For sure. Was it also, what was the song they used in Die Hard? Yeah. Yeah. When the safe opens up. Yeah. And what I think they one? even, yeah. And my mother's, I'm, God bless her. Uh, she'd say, I can't believe they're using that, you know, that, that song at Christmas time in, uh, in, in a movie about violence and stuff. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, it's freaking Hollywood. You know? <laughs> rip. Uh, well, good to Miguel. Is he still with us? Um, I believe he is. Yeah. Good. He's said to be retired. Hopefully he still sings at church. Number 14. There's nowhere in the world that I would rather be. It's interesting. It's the uh, artist is called the Brotherhood of Man, and a woman is the first singer. <laughs> Here comes the man. <laughs> I didn't remember this song. I didn't either. I, I looked it up. So Brotherhood of Man was a British pop quartet formed in 1969 by the songwriter Tony Hiller. Um, and uh, he wrote this song with his friend Johnny Goodison, who was part of the original Brotherhood of Man lineup. And he said the inspiration for the song was definitely in the title United We Stand. It was during the time of flower power, Vietnam War, founding of lots of movements, uh, et cetera, civil rights. And it was it's interesting because uh, it's the second British act that we talk about, you know, the Vietnam War. You know, Britain didn't fight in Vietnam. You know? Yeah. But um, yeah, over the years, this song has been recorded by upwards of 150 artists worldwide. Maybe we should do it. Yeah. I'll get my kazoo out. <laughs> You know, you can borrow my harmonica. <laughs> so I don't remember this song. And to tell you the truth, it's a little too preachy in a way. So, so are you ready? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
had these folks on the countdown a couple of weeks ago because they got back together to do the disco song. Yeah. There it is. This is a Get Ready uh, band is Rare Earth, but this was, of course, uh, a big song for The Temptations and was written by Smokey Robinson. Their version made it to just uh, number 29 on the chart. Uh, Rare Earth. Temptations. Yeah. Yeah. Rare Earth's uh, original version of the song was uh, 21 minutes long and uh, took up the entire second side of their first. Motown album, which was issued in the fall of 1969, and it's then like the Chambers Brothers with uh, with that song uh, that went on forever. What was that? Time or time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Motown released a three-minute edited single, which is the one you're listening to now, and that went to number four. But interesting, this song did well on the R&B stations, even though some DJs refused to play it when they found out the group wasn't black. <laughs> and uh the, they but were the chambers brothers were black yeah i was talking about <laughs> rare earth i know i know <laughs> um they were one of the first white groups signed to motown yeah. and uh yeah but why is the label rare earth <laughs> according to the chart yeah i didn't understand that but that's what yeah. i read that could have been a typo yeah, yeah but yeah yeah you would you uh, you'd mentioned that the last time around so yeah good and, song and yeah, 1974, they performed at Notre Dame University. And, and you know who opened for um, Father Mulcahy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was a rocking guy. Awesome, underrated guitarist. <laughs> Roy who? Roy, what the hell's his name? Not McElroy. Roy Gallagher. Okay. Actually, I think it's, it's Gallagher. The second G is silent. I've been saying it wrong. All right. We're on to number 12. This is a big song you'll hear on the radio still today. Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. So is the B side of this that Beatles song? It is. Okay. Yeah. Did they do anything after this? Um it's, this sounds like a like a studio band. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think they had any hits after this. Um, but they were. Uh, yeah. So this is uh, the five stair steps and uh, child. And uh, Casey said it was the largest group of real siblings in the business. Six siblings, uh, five brothers, and a sister. I guess th these guys were from Chicago, a, a teenage group, and they were. They were dubbed the first family of soul until the Jackson Five came along, and then they were uh, uh, dubbed that. But uh, yeah, they split up in uh, 1976, but they were successful on their own after that as songwriters and producers. They got their name um, from their mother, and the group called her uh, Mama Stair Steps because she, uh, when she noticed uh, her kids by their heights, it looked like they were standing on stair steps. 
So the five stair steps. Good song and uh, not on our list of uh, of bands. I remember Casey talking about that other siblings or something. It was yeah, it was daughter singing. So uh, I, I think this is a novelty song, number eleven, if I remember. That's right, that's right, I'm sad and blue Cause I can't do the boogaloo I'm lost, I'm lost, can't do my thing That's why I sing Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me Didn't they use this like for like a a candy advertisement? Yeah, so like there's in the 90s. There's something interesting about this because it sounds very familiar and I think you're right, I think it was that but there's something else so, so this is Gimme That Thing by the Pipkins off the same titled album. So this was... The song uh, was the whole side, 28 minutes. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was written by Albert Hammond and Mike Hazelwood, and they wrote it for the, a children's television show called Oliver and the Overlord. But later, it became background, a background tune used on the Benny Hill show. <laughs> <laughs> and when you listen to it you'll 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 get it but those guys wrote a few other hits uh the air that i breathe free electric band and it never rains in southern california which was a hit one. for uh hand right all right we're, we're gonna go on to uh <laughs> my my favorite uh magazine number 10 actually i've never read a word out of this magazine all i know is it exists you ever ever get it uh yeah yeah i've seen it i think at my sister's place or do you just read it for the pictures <laughs> yeah well magazines have you ever gone hitchhiking um i think like Maybe it, when I was a kid with like my older brothers somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I would want to miss the bus from school. Someone to eventually figure out that I was not a threat to pick me up. <laughs> so I, I, I lived about five miles from high school. So this yeah. is Hitching a Ride by Vanity Fair. Yeah. His favorite magazine at his sister's house. Yeah. And I actually, I don't know if I... Oh, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything on this one for some reason. Right. Maybe I just missed it in the... Uh, we'll get it next year. Yeah. I remember there was this guy that used to hitchhike in the, the town I grew up, though, this old guy in, like, a, an overcoat. He looked, he very much looked like the Artie Johnson old man on, uh, you know, laughing. And the story was, I remember my father saying, it's like, oh, people said, don't pick him up because he, you know, you'll ask him before he gets in where he's going and he's just saying a few blocks and then he won't get out and he'll demand you take him, you know, downtown or something. <laughs> <laughs> take me to the trailway station. Yeah. All right, we're on at number nine. Still taking care of business. Yeah. When no one else can understand me. Speaking of taking care of business, I got a uh, a uh, a shout out. 
I guess it was yesterday from your boy. He got me the ashtray. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. He, he, right. he wrote, happy fourth, bro. <laughs> So this is, uh, that's nice. So this is uh, The Wonder of You <laughs> by Elvis Presley. That, is that all he wrote? <laughs> yeah, and then I wrote something back. And, <laughs> okay. And I'll see you on Friday. Yeah. Um, so this song, The Wonder of You, was originally written for crooner Perry Como, but uh, Como's arranger, <laughs> Dick Pierce, instead suggested to give it to this pop singer Ray Peterson who took the 1959 version to the top 30. Yeah, Elvis did it and uh, it was a big part of his stage repertoire after this was a hit. Is this when he would take off his uh, his scarves and start throwing them out in the audience? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, it this sort of sounds like a cliche Elvis song, you know? Probably like because of that, yeah. 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 Dude. Number eight. <laughs> what, bro? <laughs> Why? What no, I, I, I just think of that story. The story about the guy who you said to say, you know, give me the shout out. And uh, <laughs> about the, the guy at work who wouldn't get back to him. <laughs> there was a good reason why. <laughs> a good reason we, we wouldn't answer his phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I keep forgetting that guy's name. We'll get it on Friday. Yeah. We're up to number uh number eight. Alright, this is the Beatles Long and Winding Road. Anything else? Yeah, uh just um yeah, McCartney wrote this based on the tensions within the band and he was talking about the B eight forty two which runs down the east coast of Kintyre um into Campbelltown near his Scottish farmhouse. Um That's so pretentious. I have a Scottish farmhouse. Yeah. All right. Because I'm uh, I'm I'm the cute beetle. Yeah. Even so though it's I'm a, dead. So what's interesting is this this was like remixed and arranged by Phil Spector. Oh, Phil Spector ruined it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, McCartney said that, but apparently uh, Lennon uh, thought it was okay. That Lennon said, you know, he took the Let It Be album and uh, it was full of the quote-unquote crappiest load of badly recorded crap with a lousy feeling to it, and he made something of it. Uh, but yeah, McCartney always thought this was butchered by Phil Spector. Number seven, not butchered. Why <laughs> do birds suddenly appear every time? Is this Paul Williams again? Uh, no. Oh, Another famous songwriter, though. Paul Anka. No. Nope. Paul McCartney. Why <laughs> do <laughs> Oh, um, is this Herb Albert? Uh, it I is think he not. plays the trumpet on it, though. Um, I think he does, yeah. Yeah. So, let her say it. Yes, so this is uh, Close to You, uh, parentheses, They Long to Be, 
by the Carpenters off the Close to You album in 1970. Um, so this was written by Burt Bacharach and Hal David. Oh, okay. All right. And it was originally released as a B-side of Blue Guitar, uh, recorded by Richard Chamberlain in 1963. Um, the Carpenters were signed with a and Records in 1969, which was, of course, co-owned by Herb Alpert. And uh, Burt Bacharach asked Alpert to record the song himself, but he didn't feel comfortable with it. Um, so he uh, instead produced the arrangement for the Carpenters. And uh, I think that's uh, that's Herb right there. Yeah. yeah. And this went to number one and uh, got a 1970 Grammy for uh, Best New Artist, the Carpenters. So. Richard Chamberlain, isn't he known for like being an actor? And stuff? Yeah, yeah. Who was he in? The Thornbirds was a later it. thing. And then um, yeah, some other movies too. I can't think of them right now, but what kind of pop uh, guy are you if you don't remember Richard Chamberlain? <laughs> when I saw this and I saw who the artist is, I said, Ugh. <laughs> All right, we're going to go. Is this the same woman that did, you know, my, uh, my key to my rollerblades? uh i believe so yeah i think she was at woodstock also yeah yeah so was... she did another song that was i mean and then she disappeared and i don't have to deal with it tell me about <laughs> melanie with edward hawkins yeah so this is a lay down parentheses candles in the rain um so uh her full name is melanie safka and um, she performed in the rain on the first day of the Woodstock Festival. And before her performance, many in the crowd participated in a ceremony where they lit candles and they were still burning when Melanie took the stage. And she was so moved by the sight of the candles that she wrote this song. And she was pretty much an unknown when she did the Woodstock show, so much so that her mother had to drive her to the festival from their home in uh, Elberon, New Jersey, pronouncing it right, but uh, yeah, um, and she had she had no idea how big Woodstock would be. I don't think a lot of people knew. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I'm not a big Melanie fan. So we'll yeah, she that. had her she had her following, and she, oh. according to Casey, she was huge in Holland. She became a household wow. name over there after after touring. Maybe she knew the Flying Dutchman. Number five. You'll hear this on the Oldies channel. Yeah. So this is Band of Gold by uh, Frida Payne. Um, this was a Holland Dozier and Holland song written by Lamont Dozier and Ron Dunbar. Um, there's some controversy with this song, its meaning um, and of sexual orientation or whatever. Um, because of the subject matter, Frida Payne didn't want to record this, but uh, Ron Don Dunbar said to her, uh, don't worry, you don't have to like it, just sing it. And she did, and it became her biggest hit. And uh, Frida Payne's older sister, uh, Sherry Payne, 
was the final lead singer of the Supremes. And of course, Holland Dozier and uh, Holland wrote many of the Supremes songs, which this sounds like the Supremes to me. Oh yeah, well, they, you know, they had their own thing. And then there's Billy Payne of Little Feet. Yeah, I don't, think, no I don't think he's related. No relation. Wow, we're getting there. Number four, Captain. Captain. Are those commercials? Captain. Uh, no, I'm not sure. Captain. Everyone would go into the with their. It was a Captain Morgan commercial. Oh yeah, okay. Captain. Yeah. Captain. <laughs> Remember our old supervisor was the captain. <laughs> <laughs> Try to forget that. <laughs> PTSD. <laughs> I had a deal with somebody. Uh, Steve Perry's uh, uh, relative about something last week, and he was his captain on the telephone because <laughs> he lived right around the time that he was our supervisor this oh, yeah. guy steve perry's uh, relative would say captain yeah and and not steve perry of the journey fan fame right oh yes <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> oh i thought you meant um <laughs> no 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 oh okay no. Uh, uh, because steve perry isn't his real last name they anglicized him yeah from Pereira. yeah that's right which is which yeah. is from, yeah. Okay. I was getting all kinds of confused for a moment there. Well, that's what I like to do. I like to keep yeah. you on your toes. <laughs> so this is uh, the blues image. You just heard the hook, right, Captain? Right, Captain? Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people say this song, you know, relates to a few different stories. Uh, a plausible but supposedly false interpretation is the song is about Sir Francis Drake's voyage on the west coast of America. He did sail once with 73 sailors and he sailed in the vicinity of San Francisco. But he was a pirate. All he was trying to do was steal, you know, gold from Spain. Yeah. But uh, I guess uh, the song, uh, the lead singer Mike Panera wrote this song and he said uh, the 73 came from the uh, uh, piano keyboard having 73 keys. So. Uh, he, uh, a piano has 88 keys. Well, I guess the keyboard he had had 73. Oh. <laughs> Wasn't a grand piano. <laughs> well, maybe he had like a like a Hammond, you know. Yeah. Something, you know. Yeah. I like, hey, that's a nice song. Yeah. But uh, the, yeah, the group dissolved uh, soon after this was a hit. And, uh, um, it was their second album. Uh, and Panera joined Iron Butterfly and uh, another member, Skip Conti, went to Three Dog Night. Captain. <laughs> we all jumped ship, apparently. A good campaign slogan. Well, 
Oh, this is we'll hear the guy from Thank God It's Friday. <laughs> Yeah, so this is Ball Confusion by the Temptation uh, parentheses. That's what the world is today. Um, so this was one of the many psychedelic soul records that Norman Whitfield wrote and produced for the Temptations between the late 60s and early 70s. Um, song tries to make sense of the chaos and disorder pervading the times. It's um, If you go and look at the lyrics, it's uh, pretty cool. Um, but uh, yeah. I was gonna point out that line. Seems like things haven't changed. <laughs> but uh, this one went to number three. Good song. I like it. We're up to number two. And speaking of the family band, here we go. So this is The Love You Save by the Jackson 5. Um, did, did you know what Casey said about the uh, Jackson 5 in the beginning? I might have heard it. Forgot. Yeah, he said uh, he calls them the mini temptations because when they're on stage, they are as flashy um, as the temptations. And uh, he says all the reviews say that as well. But uh, this was their... Uh, third of four consecutive number one hits during this time frame, um, following the debut uh, song "I Want You Back" and then ABC and then the, the "Love You Save" and "I'll Be There." So I think know. I have "I'll Be There" from the back of an Alphabet Soup, uh, not Alphabet Soup, Alphabets cereal. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, good song, Jackson Five can't go wrong yeah so um the jacksons performed this song along with uh, their previous two hits i want you back and abc on the ed sullivan show on uh, may 10th 1970 so oh, just uh, a couple uh, months, months before ago this. Yeah. yeah yeah i never saw the ed sullivan show when first run did you ever see it uh, i remember it being on as a kid i remember it being in color so I, I think we got a you color had a color tv, TV in 1970 no we got a color tv in 1969 i remember yeah Holy crap we had to wait till the 72 summer olympics yeah i don't know if my father got it because it fell off a truck or something but yeah because <laughs> uh, i i don't ever remember seeing ed sullivan in, in first run yeah when did it go off the air probably right about now you know, yeah did it come back in 1970 you know the fall season of 1970 i don't know that's interesting i have to look that up i mean he had everybody on that show though yeah oh yeah that was a real variety show remember uh the episode of the monsters where uh herman had the hit song you know, my toe bones connected to my shin bone <laughs> and uh, yes, i sort of do and then he goes he goes i'm gonna be famous i'm gonna get to go on ed sullivan and he'll mispronounce my name <laughs> 
Oh, <coughs> uh, well, you know what? I also saw the Munsters this weekend, and it was, I think Don Rickles was on it. <laughs> Don Rickles, I'm trying to remember what episode when, he was when, in. When, uh, when Herman uh, needs to learn how to dance, and Don Rickles is a shyster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, okay, Don Rickles was friends with Bob Newhart. Not, you probably knew who uh, Gavin McLeod was, but... Uh, yeah. Right, we're on to number one on Dunhill Records. dog night and of course Casey told her in Australia if it's cold you have one dog in the bag if it's a little colder you put two in it's wicked cold you put three dingoes in hopefully it doesn't eat your baby though <laughs> yeah so uh this song was written by Randy Newman uh, oh really and, yeah and it's uh, about a party that uh he left a bad taste in his mouth uh, the drug scene was fairly new to the american middle class youth at the time and it's about a guy going to a party and he's a little scared at what he sees going on um and uh eric burden and the animals released the first version of this song which i didn't know um it was on their uh 1967 album Eric is here. Yeah, and then he quit and said, "I'm going with war." Yeah, I'm pushing Deacon Jones out and taking over. <laughs> um, <laughs> of course, Randy Newman, uh, you know, extremely prolific songwriter. Um, yeah. Speaking of Tim Conway, he he was one of the guys, and I know Tim Conway through you know those other guys. He he was a short guy and did not like short people. And he came up with a song with another comedian called Tall People. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, 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 I do. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, uh, Randy Newman pocketed two Oscars, three Emmys, and seven Grammy Awards in his career. So, I don't think yeah, I... You know, I... Well, you know, that's your number one song for the week ending July 4th. 1970, which was really 11th, you know, first episode ever of American Top 40, you know, Casey, Casey used a couple accents during the, uh, uh, during the, if you, if you find it on the internet archive, uh, you'll, uh, you're like, come on, Casey, just talk like Shaggy, okay, forget <laughs> your other accents, or, or he was also the voice of, uh, of Robin in the filmation Batman and Robin shows. Huh. So we did a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Distinctive voice. Yeah. All right. So <clears throat> this week the number one uh, number one record label was Atlantic Records. And a lot of that had to do because of the two hits by Crosby, um, uh, Sills and Nash, along with um, uh, Wilson Pickett and uh, Aretha Franklin. All right. So this is the point where we uh do our ratings and things and we always start off with that song we think uh, it's going to torture the other guy 
Your agonizer, please. No, Mr. Spock! All right, number 20, make it with you, Red. <laughs> yep, uh, picked the same one for you. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, there was some other kind of crummy songs, but that one stuck out as something neither of us would want to listen to. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So um, <clears throat> that being said, what do you believe is the best song <clears throat> of the countdown? Um, I struggled a little bit with this one because um, it was kind of close, in my opinion. I, I went with number three, Ball of Confusion. Holy I, uh... crap. So did I. <laughs> Those of you looking on Channel 18, you'll see it right there, written down. Yeah. Uh, Nothing's inter- changed, man. Yeah. Interesting, okay. though. Did you have any you know expand it out a little bit do you have any runners up or close seconds or uh I, well i, I kind of went through it but I, I i wrote that down early and um you know yeah. i as, as casey and do, do 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 i have that in do i have it here was it this one good song <laughs> no, <it wasn't> <laughs> i made a few clips yeah uh, <laughs> Save that one. We can use that. Good song. Good song. <laughs> but I heard it, and, and and Casey said some words around it that I didn't record, I guess. And um, and and I said to myself, you know, everyone talks, ah, oh, we got to get better, ah, you know, you know, society stinks, but you know what? We're humans, all right. And it's been yeah. like this forever. And even fifty-two years ago, the same crap's happening. Which which sure is 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 not good and everyone's going to try and do better you know ever, ever watch the red green show uh yeah I have okay seen that. and yeah. and 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 at the end is is uh, you know the 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 lodge they have their um um their creed or whatever it was it, and it, it's something like you know i'm a man you know uh, and and next time i'll try and do better i guess yeah or something like that yeah. if you remember yeah okay. and and the whole thing is throughout history you know the, the societies for the most part especially you know the, the, in this country we always you know try and do better but yeah. you know what well, yeah. you, you know what it reminds me of there's an episode of my three sons where uh uncle charlie and uh and the, the father uh, he's that ernie he's doing it again yeah well uh you know the father who they filmed the scenes around so charlie probably wasn't even really there with him but he's reading the paper and he says oh charlie listen to this and he 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 reads this thing and it's talking about how awful the youth of today are and da 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 and this and that and charlie's like you know what that guy knows what he's talking about it's exactly right about the youth of today and then and then uh fred mcmurray says uh it was written by Socrates in you know 2000 or you know 500 BC or whatever. It's like... <laughs> but, Same but sentiment. I, yeah. yeah, but you know, and, and the thing is, if I could pull that clip out right now, I, I would. But but it's it it even even 52 years later, and you know, as we roll into World War Three, you know, with this crap happening over in Ukraine, I, I just feel the same kind of stuff is going on, and uh, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it, it stinks, you know, and we can do better, I think. Yeah, yeah, but it's hard, you know, real, real kind of change, as you said, to the sort of condition of human beings is, is not easy. 
Yeah. So whoever wrote that song for the temp, who did you say wrote the song for the Temptations? Um, oh, I don't remember. Yeah, that was that. Uh, was uh, Norman Whitfield. Right. Did he do anything else? Um, I because you know he deserves the Nobel Prize better than all these other nutcats. <laughs> yeah, it said he wrote and produced a lot of songs for the Temptations, uh, the psychedelic okay. ones between okay. the 60s oh yeah yeah seventies yeah. All right. Well, boy, we're, we're getting. wonder if he wrote Psychedelic Shack. That's a good one. Yeah. All right. What's what's your uh, worst song of the of the countdown? <laughs> well, you know, you're right on line because it, it was uh, Make It With You uh, again. Um, but I'll tell you what, you know, I, I don't have a runner up. I think for this category, you call it the runner down. And, and, and I'd say which way you going, Billy, is, is also yeah. pretty bad. To me, to me, the worst song is The Long and Winding Road. That really? song sucks. I hate it. All yeah. right. Wow. You know, so pretentious with his house in Scotland. Give me a break, Paul. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, because the Beatles had a lot of, you know, a lot of much, much better songs than that. And, and, and it reminds me of what would come from Paul McCartney through the seventies. And we kind of talked about it in the past where, where, you know, he could, he could, you know, throw, you know, stuff on a shingle and, and people would buy it. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Anyhow, what's your guilty pleasure? Mine is number 29. Everything is beautiful with the exception of the intro with the children. Take that out. Love it. Yeah, yeah, I I kind of agree with with that whole statement there, but um, I I put number two, the love you save. But again, it's one of these where it's like I don't know if it's necessarily a guilty pleasure because I like the song in general. But uh, you know, sometimes a guilty pleasure. I think I'd I'd say it's like you you hear it on the radio and it's like I'm not going to change that. I'm going to turn it up. So all right. What do you have for the story song of the week, uh, Jed? Listen to the story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was shooting at some food, and up to the ground come a bubbling crude. Um, this was a little tough. Um, I went with number 38, Spill the Wine. Um, even though it's a very weird story, it is a story. Well, I went with number 30, Ohio, because it just happened and it's a true story. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I also had um, possibly Mama told me not to come. Um, it's kind of telling a story, too. But uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, fair enough. Well, you, that's because you just like, you know, the song Short People by Rainy Newman. <laughs> no, I didn't actually. <laughs> that, that song stinks. You know. All right. My most divergent songs, of course, were songs that had the same word in it. Number 34, number 21, Mississippi and Mississippi Queen. Cool drum riff going behind them for that. What do you yeah. have for the divergent songs? I had, it's, it's interesting because partially because they were back to back, but number 31, Save the Country and number 30, Ohio, because yeah, they're yeah. both songs about tragic events, but Save the Country's still 
upbeat and Ohio is, is you know, the, the tough song about the tragedy. So, well, what would your five-year-old person, you know, rate this, <laughs> rate this at? Yeah, you know, I, I, this may be a slightly low rating, but I gave it a B minus because even though there was some good stuff in there, I th thought there was just not enough that, that I would listen to like regularly, you know? Well, as, as you state, no wagering because B minus. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and the thing is, is, is it, it's it's the first, and, and the thing is, you know, a Billboard magazine and other magazines had been doing countdowns for, or, or you know, charts for for a long time, and this is the, the first one. It was kind of interesting, you know, hearing it and and hearing you know Casey and and, and stuff, uh, but it it set the, um, you know, except it, for what happened, you know, I think they still do countdown shows. It doesn't. Uh, um, the guy that does uh, Dick Clark's Rock and Roll Night still do countdowns. What's his name? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I forget his name. I can picture him. I forget <laughs> his name. But I think there's still a countdown show. But the thing is, yeah. is, is, you know, we were, we're it's halfway into 1970. Um, you know, things are, the music seems a little different. This is a lot different than the, than the 60s. Yeah. And it was interesting how, uh, uh, you know, uh, Good old what's his name here uh wilson pickett took sugar sugar as a soul kind of a soul song you know that was a bubblegum pop the year before and, and and there really wasn't any bubblegum pop in this that i could uh, uh no not not really yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean it's it's these you know this was transitional Mm -hmm. a, a transitional period there was all kinds of new different stuff coming out you know late 60s early 70s and then you still had some I, not so much in this countdown but um you know you you could still have some old crooners showing up and yeah. at this time and, and then some real psychedelic stuff so uh, so so going back to last week where we talked about the hughes corporation yeah and and, and such so uh, this past week on, on uh, XM Radio, uh, they had done the, the show from uh, 1979, so the end of June 1979, and Casey was talking about um, the following week they're going to do the top 40 disco songs of the era, starting with Rock the Boat by the Hughes Corporation, which was the first disco song, mm. according to, uh, you know, researchers. Yeah. And, uh, and it's interesting because there was also that song by uh, George McRae, um, you know, that was written by Casey. Uh, yeah. Casey and the Sunshine Band. But this is, but you talk about transition, okay? Because here we are, 1970, 1974, you know, four years later. Is that right? 71, 72, 73, 74. Yeah. You know, <laughs> disco would, would start. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, it, and it, it had that, you know, it started and then it had that explosion um, and then, and then died off pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, still like in this 1970, you hear a lot of that funk still, you know, um, that was, I guess, you, you know, and I don't know how disco evolved necessarily, but you almost want to say it, it evolved from, you know, funk and soul and R&B. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And people want to get rich. Yeah. <laughs> Record producers. Yeah. So I was listening to uh, Pandora. Uh, earlier uh 
actually yesterday as I was driving somewhere in the car and I heard Mountain doing uh, Roll Over Beethoven, their version of that. And the station that I heard that on on Pandora was the Rory Gallagher radios. (laughs) Well, I I watched the, I finished watching today the the BBC story, which is rock and roll family lineages. And they talk about the family tree of Deep Purple. Uh-huh. And, and they talk about when Richie Blackmore left in 1973 or 74. Uh, David Coverdale had a list of people that he wanted, and, and Roy McElroy was on that list. <laughs> and so I thought of you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, did you know that? I did. Yeah. 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 As as he was also considered for the Stones as well. But yeah. uh, if you read anything about him, he, there was no way he would have joined either of those groups. Uh, well, I tell you, I, he, he could be a bigger person in Deep Purple at the time than, than in the Stones. I mean, it's Keith and, you know. Yeah, that and, was. in Mick, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so it's a, all that, that, you know, history is interesting. And I'm, I'm learning a lot going through these countdowns just about different songwriters and, and, and things. But, you know, that the whole then the whole British invasion and the whole formation of, uh, you know, the groups over there and how they get, you know, mixed and, and bands evolve from different bands. It's, yeah, it's a lot of history. Then you there. get foreigner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right, man. So, All right. Uh, so good. We'll, uh, we'll get it together, in a, uh, you know, sometime yeah. soon. All, All right. right. Teacher.